Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. The children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones from the midst of Jordan, and the Lord, as the Lord rather had spoken to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests before the Ark of the Covenant stood, and there they are to this day. So, this is the first uh, nine verses of this chapter. Now, remember, there are twelve tribes of Israel, there are twelve sons of uh, Jacob. Uh, Jacob was uh, made up of twelve tribes of Israel, so that's where that number comes from. So they crossed, they completely crossed over. They were now on the other side of the Jordan, everyone, and they're in the promised land. They're in the place of, of where it's going to be milk and honey. But it wasn't going to be a vacation. Because um, it was going to be a place of battle. But it was a place where they had to trust the Lord. Okay? They knew they had to trust God with everything because, you know, they were going to face challenges when uh, they got over there. Uh, so, because they were going to, the first thing they were going to have to do once they got settled is to go to Jericho. Uh, we're going to see that in the next uh, chapter. So, so when they have to go to Jericho and to take down that uh, city. That's going to be, I think, in the sixth chapter. So, they didn't just rush through and take care of Jericho. They had to, to come over first and get settled into the land. So it says, take for yourself 12 stones. So each tribe was to send a representative. Okay, each tribe sent a representative to um, take a stone. And it was, it was like a small stone. It was most likely a large stone uh, that the representative had to carry. Uh, they had to take it from the riverbed because remember the river was still dry. The water pass over, but yeah, we'll see that towards the end of this chapter. So they had to take a stone from the dry riverbed. Okay, each each representative from each one of the tribes. Okay, and they had to take from where Israel had crossed over so that the stone could be set up as a memorial. And what was the purpose of this too? That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time uh, to come. So we see that this is a, a sign, it's a memorial. This is in verse 6. That the children would ask, because the children would wonder, hey, why are those stones there? Why didn't we get those uh, stones? So these are a memorial. Each child was sending a representative and they got the stones. Then the purpose was so that the people of Israel could teach their children about the great things that God had done uh, for them. Okay? It was so that the work of God would not be forgotten. You know, stones are kind of like permanent. You know, once you put those stones in place it, you know, the size of the decay and everything, uh, those 12 stones are not going anywhere. So unless any roads and all those things, but the stones are more of a, of a permanent way to memorialize something 
as opposed to even sand or even wood. Because wood can rot, deteriorate, and all those things. Stone doesn't do that. You know, stone can stay for a really long time. You know, if you think about it, like we see highways being built, um, especially carved out of mountains and stuff like that, you will see uh, they'll say stones on, like you're going up the bypass and you're going up, and as you're cresting the hill, like coming from Long Spring, going up the bypass, you'll see on the right side and on the left side and the other side, you'll see they got stones up, you know, to hold the, you know, the dirt back and everything. They, they put there for a reason because they're, they're, they're more steady and they're, and they're more sturdy and they can kind of hold that in place. That's why stones are, you know, stones represent some type of permanence. So this memorial was going to be something that the children would have to uh, ask about, and then the parents would be able to remind them about, about God's work. So they needed, they needed a reminder of the great things that God uh, had done. And so it was the job of the older, the elders, to tell the children um, what God has done, how great God has been to them, how great God was at work in their lives. And this is something that we must do with our children, grandchildren, and younger people, you know, to testify to the grace of God in our life and what God has done for us in our lives. And so that's kind of what that's a picture of. You know, we should tell about the great works and the greatness of God and the ways that God has made. So it says, then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan. Okay, so he set up the, the 12 stones. He finally set them up. Okay? So it says here, um, Joshua set them up in the very riverbed uh, of the Jordan so that when it was lower in a season of drought that those stones could be seen. That's where he put those stones. He put those stones in the in the riverbed so that, that they could be seen. Okay? Because it says here in verse 8, And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded, took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, according to the number of tribes. They carried them over with them to the place where they lodged them and laid them down. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan. So these stones are in the midst of the Jordan River. Okay? So basically put them in the river. Okay? He set those stones up at a memorial in the river so that in seasons of drought, those stones would still be there. They could be a reminder of the time that God had completely dried up the Jordan. And that's something. And what this kind of tells us is that in the times of drought, spiritual drought, we should remember what God has done. So when that river dries up, which the Stone River do like the Jordan did, They'll see those stones as a reminder of what God has done. And we can see what God has done in our life in times of spiritual drought, too. Okay? When, when it was spiritually dry, or when you know, people went through trials and tribulations, we can still see the work of God. We can still see God at work. We can still see the grace of God. Amen? Amen. Then verses 10 through 18. Basically passes over. So it says here, then the people passed over. Okay? The priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people. 
according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, and all the people had speedily crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh crossed over on before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. About 40,000 prepared for war crossed over before the Lord for battle with the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. They feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of this testimony to come up from the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass when the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Okay, so the nation passes over and the priests come through, then the Jordan returns back to its normal flow. Those are the three things that happen in those verses. So, first we see here that the priests who bore the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished. So the priest stood, remember the ark of the covenant represents God's presence among his people. Okay? And so they stood the entire time that it took for the nation to cross over. So this was a visible sign of God's presence, and it was going to remain with them through the entire process. Again, as I said, we don't know how long it took for them to cross, but those priests, the Pentecost took turns, rotated, so forth and so on, but uh, they couldn't sit it down. They had to hold it, so I'm sure they probably uh, rotated or whatever. But those priests had to stand there the whole time in the Jordan as the people crossed through. They were being very faithful to the command of Moses to stand in the midst of the Jordan. And that was God's presence with them. Now, this is the thing about it. The ark represented God's presence with them. We don't need anybody holding on to something. You know, those of us who are uh, spirit-filled, those of us who are believers, we don't need anybody to stand God always. God's spirit is always with us. Okay, we don't have to go to a magical place to experience God's presence and all those things. No, God's presence is always with his people. He says, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is always with us. Uh, through the Son of Jesus Christ, by the power of the blood of the Holy Spirit. So we, we don't have to have some type of magical thing to hold on to something to signify God's presence. Back then, Israel, that's what they had to do because that's what they had in the temple. It's the Ark of the Covenant. So this Ark was in the midst of the river as the people crossed. Then it says the men of Reuben, Gad, had the tribe of Manasseh. They crossed over armed before the children of Israel. Okay, so the armies had to fight on behalf of the rest of the nation, so they had to go over before them because they were going to go to uh, Jericho next. So says, on, on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel. This goes back to uh, Joshua, the third chapter, uh, I think, where God had exalted him. God had fulfilled the promise of Joshua, raising him up as the great leader of Israel, just to just get it done for Moses. Because God did the same thing for uh, Moses, he, he raised Moses up in the hands, the eyes rather, of the people. 
Go see us in verse 14. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and he stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses. So God had exalted Joshua as a leader of his people. And we exalt Christ as our leader. Christ is the leader of us. He's the leader of the church. He's the head of the church. He is the Lord of our life. Remember, Joshua is a type of Christ. Okay? Just as Israel, God exalted Joshua as the leader of his people as they crossed over to the promised land. So he exalted his son, Jesus Christ, to be our Lord and our Savior and our ruler and our leader who leads us into the promised land, which is heaven. That's why we follow Christ. We follow hard after Christ. And that's what Israel uh, did. So it says, the waters of the Jordan return to their place and overflow all that is baptized in water. Okay? So this shows that this event, this event was supernatural. Because as soon as the people finished crossing, guess what? River went back to the mountain, back to flowing. That was a supernatural act of God. Amen. For it to happen just like that. He overflowed his bank because the water was overflowing his bank before they crossed over. And then it returned right back to form. Just like that. And the old folks say, Ain't God good? <laughs> because, yeah, in fact, back, back. So it went, it went back, it went back just like that, just as before. So it says in verses 19 and 20, the stones were set up as a memorial. So it says, now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal uh, on the east border of Jericho. And the 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan Joshua set up in Gilgal. Okay, so that's that little section right there. So basically, um, they camped in Gilgal. Gilgal will become their base of operation, basically, uh, as they get, get ready to conquest the promised land. So uh, Gilgal was like their, their their home base. Okay, and actually, we're gonna see more stone memorials be put up in Joshua. This is the first of them. First, I think it's like seven stone memorials that, that are going to be uh, that we're going to see in the book of Joshua. This is the this is the first one. Okay, this one was a reminder again of God's faithfulness and bringing them safely uh, through the Jordan. That's what this one was found out. So the capital Gilgal again, Gilgal is like central headquarters uh, for them as they got ready to conquest the Promised Land. Okay, now. Verses 21 through 24, we see the purpose again. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, and this is Joshua speaking, saying, Do your children ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over as the Lord your God did the Red Sea, did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord. 
that it is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Amen. So, what are these stones? What are these stones? These stones were to remind them of the past great works of God so that they could know that whatever God did in the past, he can do in the future. That God's best works are not behind him. God is always at work. God is always doing works. God is always doing wonders. Israel's best days are not behind him. So to us, we have to understand that God's uh, best works are not behind us. God's work in our life, his best, best works in our life are not behind us. They are with us now and they are ahead of us. We can trust God to do greater works in the future just as Israel could. Because when we experience God's past faithfulness, we know that God is going to continue to be faithful because God doesn't change. God is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God doesn't change. His faithfulness does not change. God is always faithful. And we must always remember his works. That's what it was supposed to be for. What are these stones? And then he says, you shall teach your children, you shall let your children know. So it's all important purpose for their children. That's, that's what it was for. For the children to have a point of contact with God's work in the past because they were too young to know right now. But they were to be taught. They'd be reminded that God's work is always being done. They could tell their children the story of crossing Jordan and the water being held back on both sides and the presence of God being protected. Tell the children, because in the previous generation that was in the wilderness, they could tell their children about how God brought them out of Egypt and how they saw Pharaoh's uh, chariots being uh, slaughtered by the Red Sea. And what that is, that's God's power over creation. God is the creator of heaven and earth, so he's sovereign over his own creation. Only God can make the waters stay like that. No one else can. But it shows the sovereign power of God. God is sovereign over all his creation. Amen. So they have to let the children know that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So this was a purpose not just for Israel, but it was also for the world, that the world may know that there's a God in heaven who works miracles, a God that they should seek with all their heart, a God that they should look to and seek to save. That's what the people are to know. Not just Israel, but the world. And we have to tell the world. We have to tell people, look, we have a creator. He is the great God. We ought to worship him and serve him. He is sovereign of all his creation. And we ought to look to him and we ought to worship him. We have to worship him. We have to worship God. 
because he is the great God. He's the great God. And so Israel was to tell the children so that the world would know. That all the people of the earth may know the hand of the Lord. The Lord's fame spreaded throughout all the world. Just as with Rahab. Rahab, when uh, the spies of Rahab, Rahab had spoke about uh, the works of God that, that, that she heard um, that God had done uh, in the wilderness with Israel. They heard about it. These nations heard about the works of God. They heard about what God did to the Egyptians down in the Red Sea. But the world, that known world at the time, but the fame of God had spread everywhere. And this is going to be the same way. The fame of God is going to spread throughout the land uh, about the Red, I mean, about the Jordan. Why? Because the children, the adults going to tell the children. Children grew up, guess what? They're going to talk about the works of God, too. Keep going, yep, keep going, keep going, keep going. So that's the purpose. Let people know that there is a God in heaven who does great works, does mighty works in all creation, and we are to point everyone to him. That's the ultimate purpose of these sermons, is just to show the, the work of God, the handiwork of God. And so that all the creation knows, and all the world knows, that there is a God in heaven. And he is sovereign over all his creation. He does whatever pleases him. Amen? That's it. Yes, ma'am. Amen. Amen. 